The following is a Barrett Sports Media production. We do the digging so you don't have to. We've got breaking news. Breaking news. Breaking news. Bringing you the biggest stories from the industry you care about. This is the Media Noise Podcast. Well, let's hear it. Now, here's your host, Dimitri Ravanos. Welcome. We are now officially part of a network. The BSM Podcast Network launched this week with the debut of the Sports Talkers Podcast. Next week, we add the Producers Podcast to the fray. And so this week, I thought it would be fun to bring on the hosts of those shows. And we will do a sort of roundtable about the biggest stories in the sports world. Stephen Strom is the host of the Sports Talkers podcast. If you have not already subscribed, you can do so on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon. More platforms are coming as we speak. We also have Brady Farkas, who has joined us before. He's been a columnist for us for the better part of 2022, but he is also going to be the new host of the Producers Podcast. We've got a lot to go over, so I am just going to shut up and jump into the show. So we've heard the term new media uh, a lot lately, whether it is players that have just retired, players like Draymond Green and CJ McCollum that are still active and making time to make media appearances. But lately, I've also seen athletes that have been out of their respective game for a long time claiming that they are part of the new media. It is all about a level of accountability that they hold legacy journalists to. And Stephen, you had Doug Gottlieb on the podcast this week. And while he didn't immediately talk about this new media phenomena, he did point out that some of those legacy guys who he called hot takers just are not equipped to be in debates with these guys that were in the league a year ago or, or less still active. Yeah, I, I think we had an interesting conversation. I didn't get really an answer as far as how he really feels about all journalists, like all media, because um, J.J. Reddick said something interesting a couple days ago, and he said, we got to stop grouping the media together because there's traditional media, right? You have your journalists, you have your beat writers, who I think get the most respect uh, around the NBA. You have social media where everyone flies out and says whatever they want. Um, and, and I think there's a huge difference between the two. So Doug didn't really get into how he actually felt uh, about some of the stuff that has been going on. Uh, he was very clear about some of the hot takers, um, about the Skip Baylesses, uh, occasionally the Stephen A. Smiths. And I think that's kind of fair for these athletes to kind of get annoyed at. I, I don't believe that you should be name-calling uh, specific players like Westbrook. I think that that goes far beyond uh, the profession. I, I think that's where really these guys food the NBA players. Brady, let me ask you a question because you do a solo show up in Vermont. Have you found some of these criticisms from guys like Draymond Green, J.J. Reddick, C.J. McCollum? Have you found that it changes the way you think about or approach your show, even without a partner in the room, even without someone you're debating with every day? No, not really, because I just like to take stuff from everybody, right? And if I hear a soundbite that I just want to laugh at, I'll just bring it to the show and laugh at it. If I hear a soundbite from a Draymond Green or a J.J. Reddick that's incredibly smart, I'll bring it and react to it. I'll just react to whatever other people are saying, you know? And, and to see this point, I think that, you know, what everybody needs to realize, and, and it took me a bit to realize this too. When I first got into the business, like I thought I was a journalist, right. but then it got, it got told to me and, 
you know, shown to me over time that a lot of us are not really journalists. A lot of people are just entertainers and you have to figure out how to separate the two. I don't look at Stephen A. and Skip Bayless as, as journalists. I look at them as entertainers and, and it might not be for me and it might not be for those guys, but it is for somebody out there. So there's, there's kind of room in this space for everybody. I get why the players don't love it. I get why some members of the media don't love it. I don't, I don't love that kind of stuff. But there's a lot of people that do. That's why those shows are still on TV. That's why they get high ratings. So if you can separate between journalist and entertainer, I think you'll 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 be a lot happier. Yeah, I, I just I wanted to just because here's the million dollar question about the new media. Would Draymond Green and these other leaders of the so-called new media be pushing this if every journalist, Twitter user, whoever covers the NBA? was like Pollyanna and positive about every player, GM, and coach, regardless of performance. Like if Draymond Green goes three for 15 with eight turnovers and his team loses by 25, and journalists tell the fans and readers that he played great and he tried his best, would the new media exist? Look, I would feel insecure if people wrote negative things about me. Uh, but, you know, this thing will never fully take over because, in my opinion, I'm just going to go back to when I lived in New York when – Edwin Diaz and the Mets blew a ninth inning lead. I know what I was turning on. And if Edwin Diaz hosted a podcast, I know I'm not listening to Mike Francesa. Speaking of journalist versus entertainer, uh, Representative Jim Jordan had a very interesting moment on the floor of uh, Congress on Wednesday when he asked NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell why Dave Portnoy was banned from NFL games, where he he uh, he <laughs> characterized Portnoy as, well, he's a journalist. He's a sports journalist. Roger Goodell, of course, made headlines by saying he is unaware of any sort of ban on Dave Portnoy or Barstool Sports in particular, Dave Portnoy then made headlines by public, publicly calling the NFL commissioner a liar. I mean, look, Brady, Portnoy is not wrong, right? There is no way Roger Goodell is unaware of any sort of efforts to keep that entire company at an arm's length away from the league. Yeah, I, I think arm's length is different than outright ban, though. Like, I... In you know, I well, had to well do let some me more. let me challenge you a, a little bit on that because if you have had this guy arrested multiple times, dragged out of multiple events, how else do you characterize it other than a ban? Do you really believe that Dave Portnoy cannot buy a ticket to a New England Patriots game and go sit in section three thirty five in the upper deck? I don't believe that. That is what I take to be a ban. All right, now, fair. All right, fair. do they want to issue? You know. Does Goodell have an edict down to not let this guy in the press box? That I could believe, but that I do not believe is a ban from the NF from any NFL game or any NFL event. So I think there are two different things. I do believe that Roger Goodell would not like to see Dave Portnoy at games in the press box in an official working capacity, but I don't think that he can keep, I don't think there's something out there that says he can't go to StubHub and buy a ticket in section 335 of the upper deck and sit in the nosebleeds or even go sit at the 50 yard line in the first row if he wants to pay, you know, three grand for that seat. But I, you know, look, he got banned in, in the 2018 Super Bowl. He got kicked out of that for using a fake press pass. That's illegal. So I understood that. Then he was told not to come back to anything else that week. So he got thrown out of the game. So that week, he was banned. But I don't believe he's banned since. I think Portnoy leans into this. I think it's good for his business. I think oh, sure. it's good for his brand. Um, I don't believe he's outright banned from NFL stuff um, entirely. I think Goodell absolutely knows who he is. So I think they're both... Um, 
playing with their version of the truth a little bit here. I think there's degrees of truth to each of them. And I also think there's degrees of falsehoods. Stephen Brady said something interesting when talking about Stephen A. Smith and Skip Bayless that I think applies here. And that is that idea of journalist versus entertainer, whether or not there is any sort of official policy in place, keeping Barstool and Dave Portnoy away in an official capacity from the NFL. I do have trouble with Jim Jordan calling uh, Portnoy uh, a sports journalist. I mean, it's very clear what the guy is, and he's very good at being a provocateur and entertainer. I don't think there's anything about his career that makes you go, ah, journalist. 100%. And, and, you know, Brady talked about it before. There's a huge difference between an entertainer and a journalist. And I think Stephen A. Smith, for sure, for the first part of his career, was a journalist, right? He had great relationships with Allen Iverson and really did a good job covering the league. He has transitioned into an entertainer the same way I think of Dave Portnoy. Dave Portnoy started off Barstool Sports. It was a newspaper. He was writing gambling content before it really got hot. And now he has completely turned into an entertainer. Look, he tweeted it out yesterday. He was arrested at the NFL's HQ uh, uh, headquarters for protesting the Brady thing. He organized clown date at, um, at Gillette. Uh, he's kicked out of the Super Bowl. He was dragged out of the Super Bowl in handcuffs. And then the cherry on top was he won the $250 or $250,000 COVID auction to watch the game with the commissioner and then was denied. Um, this whole idea that Roger Goodell doesn't know who he is is absolutely nonsense. And um, what do they say? There's no such thing as bad pub. Like, that's how Dave Ford business uh, insider article that he's actually legitimately upset about is going to sue. Um, he, he, he takes all of this, flips it, he'll, he'll, uh, blow it up. And, and that's just kind of how he is. And, um, and that's kind of what's going on with this. He's taking advantage of a situation and he's now going to write all these statements and write all these videos because he knows at the end of the day, those clicks are going to mushroom as, as this kind of goes on. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think from that perspective of all publicity is good publicity, like I, I don't think there is a worse possible time or a worse possible setting for Roger Goodell to say he's not aware of any sort of ban on Dave Portnoy or Barstool, not because it may or may not be true, but because of what they were on the floor of Congress to discuss, right? You're on the floor to discuss the sort of um, uh, makeshift, informal, unsatisfactory nature of the investigation into the Washington commanders and to have the commissioners so publicly challenged uh, by someone whose name was brought up as a guy that, you know, at least in Jim Jordan's eyes, was treated unfairly by the league. I mean, it's a bad look. I, I don't think you can get around that. All right, let's wrap up here talking about ESPN. They filed a motion to have Sage Steele's uh, lawsuit against the company dismissed. In that motion, they revealed that a number of people wanted to avoid working with Sage Steele. Halle Berry, the actress, was supposed to be a part of a, a charity effort with ESPN where Sage Steele was going to interview her. Her people said Halle Berry would pull out if Sage was the interviewer after the comments she made on Jay Cutler's podcast. The V Foundation said they did not want Sage Steele at any of their events because of what they called her, quote, anti-science comments. On that very same podcast, Ryan Clark, the NFL uh, analyst, said that he also did not want to be a part of anything that Sage Steele was a part of. I'm not going to ask you a specific question about Sage Steele here, Stephen, but she does say 
that one of the things that ESPN should have done was make a make more of an effort to eliminate the in-house bullying that she felt. ESPN counters with they cannot control the way coworkers feel about one another. Honestly, it's the one thing in the motion that I disagree with ESPN on. I, I don't see how any employer does not have a duty to their employees for them to not be made to feel victimized at work. Yeah, well, first of all, it's like the number one rule is to keep politics out of the uh, the work environment. I mean, I know for me, we never talk about that with <laughs> with my job, but you know, it's become so prevalent and, and it's become such a hot topic. And I, I think the bottom line is this. Uh, we are all entitled to whatever side we land on. If you agree with me, if, if not, if you're working together and you are going out there and saying, you know, I don't, I don't want to work with this person because they believe in this. I, I just, I couldn't disagree with that more. I mean, that's part of uh, human nature to disagree and to have different points of views. I, I think the whole concept is, is actually really sad that uh, she's been ostracized, whether I agree with her or not. And then as far as ESPN, um, you know, you, if you're going to make politics a part of your network, then you have to have guidelines in place uh, for people that may not agree with each other. And, and yeah, I, I think that she definitely was ostracized in, in a lot of different ways. And she talks about it. And I think that the fact that there was no guidelines or, or rules or, you know, any type of, Hey, she doesn't believe in this or whatever, you guys still need to coexist. I, I, and we don't know, we don't know if that was said, we don't know if she sat down with anyone and, and someone actually said that, but from what we've heard, there wasn't any sort of management getting in between and saying, Hey, let's still, she's still part of this industry or she's still part of this network. Let's not completely, you know, ostracize her. Um, so that's where I stand on that. So Brady, I, I'm going to make my biases here very well known. Cause I don't think it's fair not to with my wife being a doctor, I have no time for people spreading nonsense about the COVID vaccine, but also I happen to live around the corner from the headquarters of the V foundation. This is the, I think this is the complaint that Sage Steele has of being pulled off of an assignment that I wonder where on earth the complaint is coming from. Like at this point, being involved with the V foundation is such a big part of what ESPN does year in and year out, that I understand their desire to protect everything the V Foundation is trying to do. And I understand the V Foundation saying, look, if you are going around telling people not to take vaccines, you cannot be part of this organization anymore. Yeah, I don't have a problem with the V Foundation's stance or with, with Halle Berry's stance for that matter. You know, they don't work at ESPN, right? Yeah. It's like I, my biggest issue would be with Ryan Clark, right? Not playing nice in the sandbox with with his coworkers. Like right. that would be that would be where I have the biggest issue. But like the V Foundation and Halle Berry, they are there trying to drum up positive publicity, and they are there trying to you know trying to present themselves in the best possible light. And if they don't want to be associated with someone who they think will not help them accomplish that goal, I don't have a problem with it. And we see this all the time in journalism. I don't have a specific example off the top of my head, but I guarantee you, right? Like certain presidents, certain world leaders, they will do interviews, but they will only do interviews with that guy and right. not that guy. So like we see this all the time where, you know, people have their favorites, people have people who they're comfortable with and people don't want to do things with other people, you know, with a certain person or a certain group of people. So I, I, it doesn't bother me at all 
that the V Foundation and Halle Berry don't want to associate with Sage Steel because she would not help them accomplish their goals, you know, with the perceived negative publicity around her. Ryan Clark is the one I have the bigger issue with because, again, they're on the same team and Ryan Clark's been in a lot of locker rooms with people who probably didn't feel exactly like he did. So if he, if he can go out there and, and line up next to an outside linebacker. <laughs> that say, if you can work with Ben Roethlisberger, you can find a way to work with Sage Steele. Yes, I think that's a perfectly fair example. If he can, if he can line up next to a safety that may not agree with him, he can sit next to Sage Steele for four minutes and talk about, uh, you know, talk about somebody's free agent acquisition. Oh, Steven, we mentioned earlier that the first episode with Doug Gottlieb of the Sports Stalkers podcast is out now. It is absolutely excellent. Coming up on episode number two, you've got Stu Gotts. Do have Stu Gotts, and uh, he is a character. And <laughs> I think he likes he likes these individual interviews to spread his wings a little bit. He knows his character on the Dan Levitt's Art Show, and I think when he gets in these one on one interviews, he's exciting. He is. Um, so passionate uh, about the industry and it doesn't seem like um he's slowing down it, it feels like he might have some some stuff up his sleeve which he mentions a little bit uh on the podcast so man if, if you're a Stu God's guy and honestly just a, a media guy in general this is a great episode for you because he does have a unique path and he does break in a little bit later uh than usual and uses a whole bunch of skills to to stay at the top not just broadcasting skills business skills and um it, it really came full circle for him uh in his role on the Levitt's art show Brady, my favorite Brady. Stu God story oh hold on sorry to meet you my favorite Stu God story he was in college, might have been like 1996 or something, and he had you know a suite four people or whatever. They were playing like PlayStation One, uh, PGA 96, something like that. They went to the Salvation Army, bought a green jacket, and they played 18 holes on Thursday, 18 <laughs> holes on Friday, 18 on Saturday, 18 on Sunday, and then at the end, the winner was the Dorm Masters champion. That's my favorite uh, Stugat story. <laughs> Brady, you take over the producers' podcast starting next week, and you you texted me. With a new bend on this thing, I started this show about three years ago. We decided when we were reviving or when we were building out the BSM Podcast Network, the show needed to come back. And we talked to you about hosting it. And your idea was, yes, the guys that are behind the glass where these shows are important, but there are so many types of producers and we're not excluding anybody from the new version of the Producers Podcast. Well, yeah, media has changed so much. And I'm really, really excited about this because, yeah, producer to me when I was starting used to be, you know, it's it's the host of the show and it's the guy behind the glass who's preparing stats and answering phone calls and, and feeding information. It's so much more than that now, right? You have executive producers of entire, you know, of entire brands who aren't working on a show per se, but they're kind of the assistant PD in some spots that are called and other places are the executive producer. I think they're interesting. You've got producers of, of live sports, you know, across an affiliate network, you've got podcast producers, there's digital producers, there's social media producers. So producer has taken on a, uh, a different meaning in the last three years. I'm excited to highlight people from kind of all corners of the business. And you'll be pod uh, publishing on Wednesdays, correct? Correct. Next Wednesday will be episode one. I've actually got two in the can. So I'm trying to figure out which one is going to go first, but uh, you'll be the first to know when I decide that. And that will do it for this week. Remember, Apple, Spotify, uh, Google, and Amazon. You can find the podcasts there now. 
and more uh, more platforms coming a little bit later on. But we really could not do the BSM Podcast Network without your support. So thank you, and please keep supporting what it is we are doing here. Talk to you next week. This concludes our broadcast day. Thanks for listening to the Media Noise Podcast with Dimitri Ravanos. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave a review. And check back soon for new episodes. To stay up to date on the latest sports media happenings, visit BarrettSportsMedia.com.